right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alamo. It's episode 225. Pumped that you're here, excited, happy midweek. We're getting after it. Uh, this is the podcast where young sellers come to learn uh, how to close more deals, how to make more money, how to find that next job, the promotion, uh, get better at skills, uh, be more fulfilled in your job, all the things that uh, are required from a successful salesperson. This is where we learn how to get there. Um, so thanks for joining me. Really excited about today's episode. Uh, before I get to my conversation with Kyle Lacey, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, just a note that this is just a, you know, kind of like a one minute thing that we do. And I don't interrupt with ads throughout the rest of the conversation, unlike a lot of other shows. So uh, first, uh, shout out to Gong IO. Um, look, I love Gong so much that I went to work there. It is the number one revenue intelligence platform. It helps CROs, VPs of sales, sales leaders, uh, business development, customer success, marketers all do their job better uh, by hearing the customer voice, by coaching their reps on how to perform better, by looking at deals and uh, increasing your win rate on key deals by diving into the conversations and the risks in those deals, learn more about your markets, all these things in one and more. Uh, almost every single guest on this show uh, happens to bring up Gong in one way or another, uh, either online or offline, about how much they love it. So um, do yourself a favor, check it out. You can go to Gong.io to learn more or hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm Tom Alamo on LinkedIn. Uh, DM me and I'll point you in the right direction. The other uh, shout out for this uh, week's podcast sponsor is Postal.io. Uh, in a world where everyone is automating and pushing out and spamming people, uh, Postal wants to do the opposite. They want to do the inverse. Uh, they want to help you customize the gifts uh, that you send to your customers and prospects and partners. So uh, it's the brewery across the street. It's the florist on the street corner. Um, it's personalizing that to really break through and create a connection with people, which I'm all for. Um, I use uh, a lot of things from them, but, but what I love is the handwritten notes that they do, but you actually type it. My handwriting's terrible, so I can type it out. It looks handwritten. Um, it's relatively automated, so I can get it out to a bunch of podcast guests or customers, and it's a really nice touch for people. Uh, so I would highly recommend you check them out at postal.io. If anyone leaves a five-star review for this podcast uh, on Apple, and you go over and you DM that to me on LinkedIn, Postal will send you a Starbucks gift card. Uh, that'll be you know good for whatever you want, coffee, green tea, you know black tea, breakfast sandwich, whatever it is that you want to get into, Postal will hook it up. That's a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You just go to the show. At the bottom, there's the ratings and reviews. Hit five stars. Send that to me, and, uh, and that's what you get. So give some love to Gong. Give some love to Postal. Now let's move and transition over to this week's guest. Uh, I've got Kyle Lacey here. He's the CMO of Lessonly. Uh, I've been a user of Lessonly for uh, a long time at, at multiple different companies, um, I love that he comes from, you know, very humble beginnings, uh, getting into entrepreneurship out of school, uh, started working uh, in marketing uh, on the tech side, you know, places like Exact Target, which got bought by Salesforce. He was in the venture capital world for a little bit. He is uh, now at Lessonly, he's been there for about four years, uh, helped to grow that business and is a strategic advisor at, uh, you know, about a half dozen other hot SaaS companies. And so Kyle's got some great info 
to share around the SDRs. Uh, we talk about military history. We talk about um, you know how to grow a brand, uh, how to do so in a really creative way. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, without further ado, let's get straight into my chat with Kyle Lacey. Let's go. Kyle Lacey, good morning. Welcome to Millennial Sales. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> I am doing. I'm doing well. I, I was half expecting uh, from your LinkedIn that you like wore a Mario outfit every single day, but I guess that was I just for, like, the pictures. <laughs> I our, um, I actually got this in the mail. Our our uh, our vendor screen embroidery sent me this. This and, and if you're listening and not watching, this is a Mario hat. And then I also have a Luigi hat. That's hilarious. So I I don't uh I do not wear it normally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you never know. Um well I'm I'm excited to have you on the show. Um I've been a fan of your content for a while. I've been a fan of of Lessonly uh as a product for mo- multiple companies that uh, I've worked for as well. So uh, excited to have you on. Um, I thought a fun place to start, maybe fun for me and, and maybe not fun for you, is is just kind of going back in time a little bit to, uh, I see on your LinkedIn, uh, the college days of Kyle Lacey. Uh, <laughs> it looked like uh, it took uh, an extra fifth year to, uh, to, to graduate or, or to get above the 2.0, which is not something that you would expect from someone of, of the professional success that you've had. So I'd, I'd love to just kind of level set there oh. and learn a little bit about those days. Yeah, I I uh, I did not apply myself in college. I did apply myself to things I enjoyed, and then yeah. I didn't apply myself at all to things I didn't enjoy, which was mostly studying and economics and things that things that that are customary to getting a degree, right? Um, so yeah, I but I excelled in everything I really liked to do, and I think a lot of that just had to do with the fact that um, I didn't enjoy sitting in class and reading a textbook on a Ford business case study, right? Like I, I enjoyed getting out there, be, being active in the business world, doing internships, getting hands-on work than, than sitting in a classroom and, and, uh, and learning. Um, so for me, uh, I kind of I use that story as just an example of how, you know, if you work hard and you're good at what you do, you know, it kind of, it, 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 you don't have to get a 4.0. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you can, yeah. you can fail and still be okay. You, you can still be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, it's interesting because I, I didn't fail in college by any means, but I definitely wasn't the 4.0 student. And I, I think it goes specifically to, to the point of like wanting to learn about what you actually care about. Like, I don't think I read a book from cover to cover other than Goodnight Moon until like I was probably 22 years old. Um, and now I love reading um, because it's about things that I'm interested in. Sure. Um, so I, I find that to just be an interesting concept. So you obviously took to the business world though, once you got in there. Yeah, yeah. And it, and, and for me, it was, I, I watched my dad, growing up, my dad's always been an entrepreneur. And so he he helped me start a mowing company when I was in high school, Picture, picture Perfect Yard Care in Anderson, Indiana. And we would do like direct mail, Like I would design postcards to send and hand them out and we would do competitive type cards for the other mowing companies in the area. And so through all of that, I knew that after I graduated, I either wanted to work in business or start one. And that's when, that's when I 
I worked as a designer for a while and then started an agency. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, you kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. I'm, I'm curious, how have you brought that to different companies? I, I imagine it might be challenging to be the person that runs the show and then come in and you have a boss or, or several bosses. Uh, has that ever been a challenge? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, well, I think I think early on, God bless uh, Jeff Roars, who was my boss at Exact Target, because I'm pretty sure. Well, I know if he saved me from being fired like twice. But if you're <laughs> like when I started the agency, I was the product. Like I was selling my speaking. I was I was the one selling for the most part. And when you're in that environment, ego, it kind of is what fuels you. And my self worth was built directly into that business, right? Like if the business was doing really well. I felt really good. If it was the opposite, I felt really bad. And so when you move into an environment like Exact Target, where I'm pretty sure they hired 500 people the year I the year I joined, because mm. it was just like we we had won the market. They were going towards an IPO, and then of course we got bought by Salesforce. But you, it's just a different environment. So when you come in very ego driven as an entrepreneur and work in that environment, you have to check yourself because it's part. It's more about team. The one thing to answer your question, the one thing that I took away from entrepreneurship was proactivity, I think is probably the number one, the number one skill set, or just, um, I was, I'm very action oriented, and I always have been, and I think I learned that by running a business for five years, is that you have to be, you have to be proactive, you have to be action oriented, you have to just do, 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 fail, fail, fail constantly, because you're trying, you're just throwing crap against the wall all the time. And I think yeah. that is that has helped me at Exact Target. It helps me at Salesforce. It helped me at OpenView, and it's and it helps at Lessonly, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I want to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty uh, of Lessonly. And it's unique for me to have a CMO uh, on this podcast or anyone in marketing. And and uh, the one reason I had you on is is because I appreciate the content that you put out. And and the other is that. I was listening to you um, on a different show and, and heard you, I think on the Revenue Collective podcast and heard you talk about the SDRs roll into your organization. Um, yeah. And so I'd love to hear you first talk about like why that is the case for you. Um, and then maybe we could talk a little bit about how the SDRs listen to the show. Maybe they do roll up under sales or maybe it's marketing. I don't know uh, how they can work with marketing to, to kind of differentiate themselves and get better at, at the craft. Yeah, so the reason the reason SDRs BDRs, so we have we have inbound SDRs and we have outbound BDRs basically, yep. right? That support the account executives. Um, the reason they roll into marketing is twofold. Uh, well, number one is that I I believe in marketing owning a revenue number, a direct source revenue number. Uh, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of using influence as a way to measure anything for marketing. Right? You you either source revenue or you don't. So moving BDRs under marketing kind of helps shape that uh, sourcing model. Right? And, and number two, it helps unite top of funnel, right? Mm -hmm. Like every, we have a pretty strong inbound channel at Lessonly. So the inbound SDRs reporting into our inbound team makes sense. And then the outbound team, um, it, it helps with messaging. It helps to have to be forced on experience, like to talk to the SDRs and BDRs about experience matters, not necessarily the volume 
Uh, and you got about you know, your, the volume of your activity and stuff like that. The third yeah. thing is it forces alignment between sales and marketing. When marketing is the one producing a lot of the sourced revenue for, for AEs to hit quota, um, people talk and they have to because they are dependent. We are dependent on each other. So there's that that has its pluses and minuses, but that's that's kind of the I think I said two, but those are the three the three reasons. And do you think that SDRs have uh, some sort of a, an advantage when they're getting pulled into all the marketing meetings, right? So they know about the tactics that you're putting out there, about the campaigns that are being run, things like that. Because if they're working in the sales org, you know they might learn a little bit more about like sales tactics and things like that, and Maybe there's more people that are talking to them about how to cold call or, or whatever it might be. Um, but do you think there's an advantage to knowing where your and your team's head is at as, as you're talking about how you're bringing leads in the door? Yeah, it is. We, we learned the hard way, though, because we were, we were including a lot of the SDRs and BDRs in all marketing meetings. And that's just too much. You know, for me, for me, it's campaign alignment they don't necessarily need to know about paid ads and social ads and you know you know what what goes into building a conference and now what's interesting is that they will help they will volunteer to help on things like i want to help at the conference i want to help at some of these virtual field marketing events or whatever but we try to we try to be mindful of time but it does help when we have like our quarterly review meetings where it's the sdrs bdrs marketing demand brand all together because things will come like insights will come up and opportunities for improvement will come up that might not have been surfaced if if the SDRs weren't involved like that yeah. that messaging didn't work or why were we targeting that industry or whatever do you find that some of the SDRs like uh, are more prone once they get promoted to want to jump into marketing versus sales? Um, no, not necessarily. No, that's not what I've seen. Uh, yeah. Now we we're, we're in our infancy on, on career pathing really. Um, yeah. Try Cause I I'd say that that's probably the one downside of SDRs reporting into marketing is that they don't have, they have to be pretty mindful about networking into the sales team. Yeah if they want to become an AE. So the, the direction that they usually go is you're going to become an account executive. You're going to become an account manager because you, you prefer working with customers more, or you could go into field marketing. Yeah. It's kind of the paths, and, but we've and, seen more, we've seen, they've still, mo most of them is still wanting to become account executives. So how would you advise them to like, you know, I think that the topic of, I want to get into networking or, or another topic for externally, but I think internally is just as important, right? So how yeah. would you advise, uh, you know, a young ambitious SDR that's, that, you know, they're doing pretty well with their numbers and like, man, I really want to get in and be an AE the second half of this year. Like, how do you suggest that they go about doing that internally? I would, I would set up meetings with AEs and I would set up meetings with managers. Yeah. And like coffee, like I want to learn about what you do. I don't think yeah. people, for some reason, I'm not sure why, why that doesn't, it seems very natural for me to think about doing that just because it's very, I do a lot of it, but 
you know, an SDR, you, you want support when you go into the interview process, right? Like you're just not, they're not going to say we need an AE. Here's, here's a sticker to become an AE, come to the, you know, come to the sales team, right? Like when you, when they open the role, you want that manager thinking about you. And the only way you could do that is to market yourself internally, right? And it's, there's a tons of different, like at Lessonly, we're 230 people. It's, it's a very different thing at like a sales force, but there's similarities, right? Like if you want to work for a manager, if you want to learn from somebody, if you want to eventually be a manager, you surround, you should at least surround yourself with people that have done it or are doing it. If only it was as easy as someone handing you a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Same with a contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, something we wrapped about just for a minute before the show was talking about kind of the external networking. I, I know you don't like that term. I think you use what personal community building. Uh, I, I thought that was a, a pretty helpful framing. Um, so I'd love to hear you kind of talk about that and, and share that insight. Yeah, I, I, I am a, the, the thing we talk about at Leslie on my team, and I've said before at a, on other podcasts and whatever, is you, if you do brand building appropriately, you should never have to use your resume to get a job. Now, that is, uh, I understand that, that, that is a, um, that's kind of a lofty goal for everyone. And I understand there's tons of people in different situations, socioeconomic, like, but at a whole, you want to be able to build a community of people around you that will support you in whatever you're trying to do. You know, for me, it's revenue collective where I have peers that are other CMOs that I can go ask if I have an issue, if I have questions about dealing with the CEO, if I have questions about how to build out an account planning model, I go to them and I ask if I am concerned about a team member, I go to them and ask how they've handled it. Um, but community building just allows you to, to be able to be stronger in your career. I've, I've, I'm going to back up here for a second. I've had way too many conversations with people where they've put their head down and focused primarily on their job and have stuck their head up four or five, 10 years later and have no idea where to go. Like the company was sold or they decided they didn't like the job anymore because they didn't spend the time developing their community outside, right? Like if, if you wanted to, I don't know why you would want to do this, but if you eventually wanted to leave Gong, right, you would just, you would, there, there are probably a handful of people you would send notes to and say, Hey, do you know of opportunities? Yeah. Right. Same with yeah, me. that's what happened last year. <laughs> right, <laughs> I, right, yeah. so, right. So, but that's the key is that you have those people that you could send notes to, right? Yeah. And if I, and if I have issues with like building a database or raising a huge fund, I'm going to send a note to Udi, right? Because I've, I, we have, we've established that relationship. I think a lot of times people just don't, don't think about the, the idea of building a personal community around what you do. And, and they become friends, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's the beauty of all this. Yeah, absolutely. So how, like how much, I know this is a, a tough question, but how much time roughly does like, should one spend if I'm an AE or, you know, I'm in the first five years of my career, I'm not a, a C-suite person, you know, I'm still kind of like, you know, 
uh, you know, uh, what did they say? Cutting your teeth a little bit. Like how much time do I spend? And let's say I'm a member of Revenue Collective just because we're both members and that's maybe a, an easy place to start meeting people. Like how do I go about that and, and work that in my week while I still hit my numbers? Yeah, I, uh, it is a hard question, but I, I'd say that having three or four coffee meetings a week. Yep. And that, and I don't, you know, this whole, this whole idea that we, that we can't network and still hit our number. You're just bad at time management. If you yeah. can't do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, like, I, I don't like, I'm having, I probably have probably too many meet and greet meetings a week, but I'll have five to six a week of just sharing stories or meeting other CMOs or talking, talking to sales reps or whatever. Um, when I first moved to Indianapolis after I graduated college, I had five to six coffee meetings a week. Um, and it's just so much easier now in a virtual environment, of course, but I, I'd spend an hour to two hours a week meeting people. And you never know which of those people is going to turn into a really good friend, a really exactly. good contact, someone that, you know, ends up offering you a job or whatever it might be. And, and uh, oftentimes it can be kind of a crapshoot. Sometimes you leave those and you're like, oh, eh, I'll never talk to that person again. But there's sometimes where it's like, well, and you, man, that yeah. was like, you know, that felt like a, a family member, you know? Yep. And, and the one thing, the one thing that I did not, and I still don't do well, which I'd highly encourage everybody listening or watching this to do is build some type of personal CRM and make sure that you are keeping track of the people you're meeting. Make sure you're noting down. Like this is like Dale Carnegie sales 101. It's like, remember birthdays, remember that they have kids, remember what they're passionate about because the, the fact that you can remember those things is going to set you apart from everyone else because nobody does it. Nobody, nobody tries to uh, be more human in this process of like meeting people. And that's where I wish that I had put together a personal CRM a long time ago and managed mm. that appropriately. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so you're meeting people all the time, you know, let's just say I'm, I'm an AE, I'm, I'm meeting people, I'm starting to build this up. Okay, that's good. That's good. Like, how often now am I going to like circle back with these people? Because you don't want to be the person that's like, every three months is like, hey, I need you to help me with this thing. Right. You know, um, maybe that plays into the personal CRM, like you, you drop them a text every once in a while and say, hey, you know, how you doing? Stuff like that. But I'm just curious if, if you if you've mastered that skill at all. Uh, no, no, I, I will say, you know, I, w I was using this was a long time ago. I was using contextually to do some of this and you you bucket people. You have the yeah. people that, you know, are are going to be that are important to you, that you want to help, that you want them to help you like give and take Adam Grant's give and take book. Great mm -hmm. book to read if you want mm -hmm. to understand that that mindset. Um, and then there's a group, there's like tier one contacts, tier two, it's the same as when you're building a prospecting plan, right? It's like, make sure you understand who the tier one people are so that you're following up with them. But I, I don't have it. What I try to do now is make sure I remember the important things about an individual like kids, um, 
what they really enjoy doing outside of work. Um, if somebody is somebody has a kid or they have a birthday coming up or uh, they just had a win at work, like I'm sending a gift to them more yeah. often than not because I because I I I want them to know that I that it's more than just me commenting on something saying congrats, like that I really do care about their success and and because it's such a small world, especially in venture back software that we're in. Yeah. Yeah, and that stuff really that it really stands out. I feel like people back in the day used to probably take the time more often to write the handwritten letter or whatever it might be. And now if you get one, it's like it feels like you know, Christmas if you get something yes. in the mail from handwritten someone. or just or just notes after meeting people or following up with people. Yeah. Um and and I and I'm I'm preaching to the choir here and I and because I, I need to do this more often too. But if if you're introduced to somebody and you have the meeting, like follow up with the person, follow up with the person that introduced you saying, thanks for doing that. It was a really good conversation. Yeah. And it's just being more mindful about people and that we're all, we're all in this together. We all are terrified. <laughs> like we, none of us know what we're doing and we just need to be more human with each other. Yeah. That's, that's a great, that's a great reminder. It's a great reminder. Um, I, I want to pivot a little bit. I'm, I'm interested. I've seen that you, um, you have a, a, a fondness for military history. And I feel like I want to get into military history. I like the idea of it. I'm starting, like my stepmom gave me this 800 page Teddy Roosevelt book that I've been kind of like <laughs> grinding through. Yeah, which, which one is year. it? Which one is it? Um, the Last Romantic, it's called. Something yes. like that. I don't know if, if, uh, if you're familiar. Uh, I am familiar with it. But, you know, I've, I've, I've Anyway, I want to get into it. Tell me a little bit about like, why are you so fascinated? How do you bring that to like your everyday as a leader or as a human? Like, do you, some of the things you've learned? Yeah, I, I uh, so I'm fascinated with it because, uh, and I don't know how old you are, but back in my day, we had to, okay, we had to rent VHS <laughs> tapes, right? Yeah. And you rented it in the grocery store. The grocery store had a video section or whatever. And one of the first videos that I rented as a youngster was called Gettysburg, which was a two VHS bit movie. It is a, a terrible movie. Do not watch it <laughs> if you haven't watched it. It's horrid. But I watched that movie 20 times when I was little. And uh, <laughs> it's Civil War. I got obsessed with Civil War. And after that, I just got obsessed with military in general. I moved from Civil War to World War II to American history. And now I'm now I'm more obsessed with like the 1300s, 1400s, the Crusades, and and yeah. how um, how religion played into all that in 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 the Middle East. And anyway, we could talk. I could talk about that for hours. But for me, it's a it's not necessarily a applying anything to my day to day. It's my outlet. Like I, it's it's mm. rare that I will read a business book. It's I will usually read some something like the Teddy Roosevelt book you're reading now um, because it's, it, it set, it can set, it separates me from my, from my day to day. Like I I'm in, I'm in meetings all day long. I don't need to read about another meeting, right? I don't need yeah. to read another business book. Now I will read, I do read them. I just, if I need an outlet, I'm reading about world war two or world war one, or like, it's not a, I wish I had a story was like, I was reading about the Crusades in 1420 yeah. and I took away uh, 
a learning from some military tactic and applied it to marketing, but that's not, that's not the case. It's more of just a, it's a hobby for me. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said though about like, there's only a certain amount of ways that people react in certain situations that people lead that sure. people, you know? And so like, I feel like war is just like this microscope version, like this heightened version of like the world. It's just like, everything's just on like, has such a massive scale and like massive risk involved. Um, but you know, the things that people were doing in the 1300s isn't different than what's going no. on now. You know, the, the no, exactly. humans, are, humans are humans. Exactly. And, and there's a, well, I can't find it, people are, but there's a, there's a great book like Lessons from the Hanoi Hilton about Vietnam POWs that I've applied to a lot of stuff. So I'm I'm being very broad, like I'm being very broad, but there are cases where you can learn things from reading about Patton, from reading about Teddy Roosevelt, because it's it's just to get into those mindsets. You're right, Winston Churchill. Like if you wanna if you want a primer on how to deal with crap under stress just read anything from Winston Churchill because that I can't like you can't it puts things in per perspective when I'm freaking out over a quarterly number but he was leading a country that was being bombed every day yeah. <laughs> you know yeah that's so true I was, I was talking with a friend about that the other day like just thinking about yeah whatever it might be in, in the past just like trying to compare yourself to not compare yourself but but put yourself in their shoes and then it's like Oh yeah, I've got a quota. Like, all right, it's not that big of a deal, yeah. you know. Well, and, and it's and, and it's fascinating just to learn about culture, to learn about, you know, what the mindsets were that 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 pushed people into World War II. Like, it, like I just love all of that, all of it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you, um, last few questions here. Uh, one of them was since you work at Lessonly, been there for a long time, and and you know the 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 product itself helps you to practice. This probably isn't the best sales pitch for you guys, but like <laughs> it helps you to, it helps you to practice certain things. Right. And so I'm curious as, as someone that preaches on this podcast a lot, like you've got to work on the craft, you got to treat it as more of a career than just a job. Like, do you, do you have any like expert tips on like that you guys do uh, that that's specific to like sales or SDRs or anything of like, making people practice in different ways or like how often they have to, you know, practice or learn things or read or watch videos yeah. or anything like that. I'm, I'm curious. I, I think from a marketing perspective, at least, at least with SDRs and AEs, um, enablement and practice is very important. Like if we have, if we have a new product launching or if we have a new persona or we're, or let's say we're going into financial services as an industry, the enablement initially is fine to learn about the industry, to learn about the contacts, the titles, the use cases, the personas, right? Yep. But you have to come back to that. There has to be continuous training or people are going to forget it because people forget 90% of what they learn during mm -hmm. enablement, right? And you have to come back. So for us, it's like, all right, financial services, learn about the industry, now practice an email pitch or get on video and practice a demo. Like we have a new product launching in May called Skills and we get we have to get all of our AEs and I uh, even me we had to get certified on demoing skills and you had to practice demoing skills and we're going to have to come back after it's launched and continue to practice that, right? So uh and I think it's just great from a competitive standpoint like we do 
We do um, battle cards all the time, but we update them constantly within Lessonly. So if a new feature from a competitor comes out, we're updating that lesson and sending it up and sending it back out to frontline to the frontline team so they can learn about the feature that was just launched. Um, there's a lot of different ways, but it's really just around uh, knowledge development and learning, practicing that in in your channel, whether email, phone webcam, whatever, um, and then continuously coaching on it. And that's, that's we, cause we use our product pretty religiously adolescently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, maybe my last question or one of the last questions, I have a section of the podcast that I call the selfish section where I make an ask that's just for me. It's not for the audience. <laughs> how, how do I get my hands on some of that llama gear? I saw the hat. There's some sort of like black baseball hat that I need to have. <laughs> uh, so you can, well, what, you and I can talk about this after we get off, but there, <laughs> there is a, we have our own clothing line called Ali Lama and Co. Yeah. And it's at alilama.co and you can go buy. It's not, it's not oh, less It's an actual e-commerce shop and it's a, it's a brand. It's a clothing line for us. So you can go, it doesn't have an L on it because it's just our, our Ali Lama mascot, but you can go buy whatever you want there. So is that, I, I asked like, is that a, is that a major kind of like, not major, but what's the, what's the deal then? Like, that's just, that's just like building the brand. That's just kind of like a fun thing. Like you send to customers and stuff, or I love that Well, idea. well, I, I think that the, initially it was, Hey, it's crazy, but let's start a retail brand. That was the yeah. first thought. <laughs> and then what happened was, it makes it really easy for us to send gifts to people without asking for their address because we can create promo codes mm -hmm. uh, for our holiday gift for all of our customers. We sent out an email saying, hey, here's a $20 gift card to Ali Lama and Co. Go buy whatever you want, right? Awesome. Um, so, and reps use it within the sales process, right? Like Postal, we use Postal at Lessonly and being able to send that stuff is great because it's high end and it's not just another t-shirt with like, I have enough, I have enough swag. I have yeah. enough, um, I have enough Yetis. Yeah. Like I, I have like 50 of them, right? I don't need another Yeti, but it's cool if, if I have a really cool sweatshirt that doesn't have the brand on it, but it was given to me from a company. And llamas are just inherently cool. I know we got, we got lucky that llamas just became really cool in like 2018, <laughs> 2017. <laughs> I love you it. You know man. what happened is that yeah, what? Jo Joanne and Chip, jo Joanna and Chip Gaines, or is it Joanne Gaines? Do you know who I'm talking about? The people uh, in Waco, Texas that redo homes and all that. They have a lot. It sounds familiar, but yeah. They put some llama stuff out in Target. And then uh, it just blew, and then it just blew up. Then then llamas became cool. So thanks to Chip and Joanna Gaines, or however you say your name. Shout out to Chip and Joanna. <laughs> um, Kyle, this is a blast, man. Uh, before we go, uh, I know that people will probably want to hit you up after the episode. So one, uh, where is the best place to do that? And then anything else that's coming up in May or or anything? Uh, I know you have the skills summit, but anything else that you know, where a place where people can check you out. I mean, find, you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Let me just put in my name. Um, and then we have a skills summit coming up May 18th. And you and it's on lessonly.com slash skills dash summit. Um, 
and it's where we're launching our new product but we also have a bunch of workshops and it's gonna be really fun and will you'll be, be wearing the mario. mario you yes. will be wearing the costume all right pro, that's pro, all I, I think i have to right i think i have yeah to. yeah you hyped it up enough <laughs> <laughs> awesome man well, i appreciate the time this is great yeah thank you thanks Kyle. all right everybody thanks for checking out that podcast while you're walking the dog while you're cooking up your stir fry while you're at the gym whatever you're doing um two things number one uh, please head over to uh, Apple and give this show a five-star review. Uh, send that to me on LinkedIn and I'll give you a, a free Starbucks gift card. Would really appreciate it. That's what helps this show to grow. Should only take you a minute. And second, one more shout out to our sponsors, Gong and Postal. Please give those folks a shout out. Hit them up on LinkedIn. Check out their websites. Uh, they can do wonders for your business. That's all I got for you today. Peace. <laughs>